0: to the Houston Healthcare Initiative podcast. My name is Harold Nickel. A few months ago, we talked about surprises at the emergency room, but there's a more systemic issue afoot that extends beyond the emergency room and affects patients who have regular hospital stays, and those are charges people get after they've stayed in the hospital. This issue is getting a lot of attention. Among other things, there are both House and Senate committees which have approved legislation to ban what's known as balance billing. Now, this is where a provider seeks payments directly from patients for charges their insurers will not cover. Health care providers and hospital groups have also pushed back on the rate-setting approach, claiming it unfairly favors insurers and warning it could discourage doctors from practicing in certain areas where the rates would be lowest. These groups have spent heavily to influence the bills this year. So what's the real issue here, and who should we believe? Here with the answers is respected neurologist Dr. Stephen Goldstein. Now, Dr. Goldstein, before we get too deeply into this, how can anyone be surprised by a hospital bill it just seems really odd
1: well it seems odd because this is the only part of the economy where this is allowed to happen no one ever bought a car a refrigerator or a ticket to a movie without knowing the price in advance in that sense every hospital bill is a surprise but as long as the insurance company takes care of it no one cares the deductible the patient pays is known in advance the actual hospital bill is so complicated that no one understands it, But the insurance company has negotiated a deal with the hospital, so that, again, no one cares. It is only when other bills, in addition to the deductibles and co-pays, get passed directly to the patient that gets the patient's attention. This happens when a hospitalized patient is seen by a doctor who is not part of the patient's insurance network. These charges are not negotiated with the insurance company. The patient has no ability to negotiate with the doctor and no ability to decline the service. The doctor does not inform the patient of his rate prior to the service. This is a surprise when the bill shows up later.
0: Mm, Okay, but with so many rules and so many regulations and public scrutiny about health insurance and in-network providers, it seems like this would be something that would be phased out, don't you think?
1: Yes, there are plenty of rules and laws that apply to health insurance. This is not one of them. In fact, a recent journal of the American Medical Association study found that these types of charges were only increased.
0: How how can that possibly be?
1: Well, according to the study's author, Dr. Eric Sun of Stanford, a single insurance company's records from 2010 to 2016 were studied. He examined situations where patients were admitted through the emergency room, where patients have little, if any, choice of provider. He also studied the care given at an in network work hospital where bills were thought by the patient to be covered by insurance, and were very surprised to learn later that, in fact, they were not. If that were not enough, the average of these costs rose 42% from $804 to $2,040. You ask how this can be? It can be because the decision to participate in insurance is made independently by every doctor you see.
0: Okay. Um, Okay, I get that. I just wonder why, why doesn't the hospital screen
1: or require this? Well, they should, but it's almost impossible. There are so many different networks as there are insurance plans. Even the same insurance companies have different networks. It makes much better sense for the hospital to negotiate with every doctor that works in the hospital and not have doctors bill the patients at all. The hospital bill would include all the physician services. If the hospital was part of an insurance network, the patient would only be required to pay the deductible and co pays.
0: It seems terribly unfair to have someone who is in a position to make a choice, make what they believe are the correct choices, and then essentially move the goalpost, what possible rationale is there for hospitals and clinics continuing with a practice like this?
1: Well, one of the arguments is recruiting doctors to work in challenging environments, locations or shifts is difficult enough, and that the opportunity to make money is one of the best incentives to recruit and, rec- and retain doctors that there is. Mm-hmm. The correlation is that to eliminate this way of charging will mean that there are places where there will be fewer or even no doctors. Well, this argument doesn't hold water. Whatever fees are required to pay the doctor for their services can be paid directly by the hospital. The cost negotiated by the hospital with the insurance company would be included in the hospital charges and passed on to the patient in the form of premiums.
0: Now, there are currently two separate bills before Congress written to eliminate surprise bills there's house bill 360 and senate bill 1895 the senate bill is called ending surprise bills and it has specific language devoted to protecting patients against out-of-network emergencies and protection against surprise bills including surprise ambulance bills so problem solved right
1: Well, you might think so, but not quite. Mm. On October 1st, 2019, Congressman Richard Neal, who is the chairman of the Ways and Means Committee, wrote to his Democratic colleagues and proposed a compromise to address provider demands for an arbitration process instead of a benchmark out-of-network rate.
0: Okay, arbitration. I know that um, there are employer-employee conflicts or when baseball players want to make more money and teams don't want to pay they can then go to arbitration. Is is this something similar?
1: Well, let's back up for a minute. The insurance providers want the government to set what they are calling benchmark out-of-network rates. Okay. The negotiated rulemaking process would require three agencies, the Departments of Health and Human Services, Labor, and the Treasury, to form a committee to identify standards for rates for surprise bills, according to the letter. Mm-hmm. It would be up to the committee whether to add a dispute resolution or to define the parameters of that resolution process. The result would go through a public comment, period.
0: Okay, what what does the insurance industry say? Are they they in approval?
1: Well, there's not a single answer to your question. You mentioned sports-related arbitration, and there are insurance providers who want a baseball-style arbitration process. They say that gives both the payer and the provider a process to submit an out-of-network charge with an independent arbitrator to decide on one of the proposed charges. The insurance industry says that the benchmark system would stifle their ability to negotiate for lower rates. The insurance industry has been pushing instead for a benchmark rate, calling arbitration a costly process that could drive up premiums.
0: Wow. What's what's the status now, and what do you think— might happen.
1: Well, overall, the momentum for this legislation is stalled. But because the insurance industry lobby and all the ads now airing, Congress may not deal with the problem the way we talked about today. It's even possible that they just maintain the status quo.
0: Okay, but but based on what listeners and I have learned from you today, it sounds like there's a consensus around eliminating the system that helps to support the surprise Bill phenomenon, isn't there?
1: Yes, plenty of people believe that penalizing patients who follow the rules but still get out of network charges is really unfair. The question is how to correct it. I would argue that neither the status quo nor the benchmark system will correct the overcharging for health care and also provide an adequate supply of quality physician services at the lowest possible price. Managing the price by an arbitrary benchmark is not the answer. If the benchmark is set too low, there will be physician shortages. If set too high, patients overpay. If hospitals negotiated with the doctors, they could try to get services for the lowest possible price. Physicians would try to get get the highest possible price. Physicians could negotiate with other hospitals or simply do office practice if the offering prices were too low. The law of supply and demand has long been known as the best way to provide an adequate supply of a commodity at the lowest possible price.
0: With with the time we have left today, um, what do you think will happen?
1: Well, the outcome for this is not settled by a long shot. Yes, there are big money interests with lobbyists and ad campaigns, both putting a lot of pressure on lawmakers. In my view, the current bill will not fix the problems over overpriced medical services, but only cover them over with a Band-Aid. The bill that would be a first step to lowering the cost without decreasing the quality is to prohibit hospital-based physicians from billing patients at all. By definition, these physicians would be in network if the hospital was in network. Physicians would be paid whatever price they could negotiate with the hospital.
0: Well, if you were like me and wondered why the move to ban surprise medical bills wasn't a legislative slam dunk, now you know. Special interests specifically Hospitals and the private equity-backed companies that have largely taken over their emergency rooms are standing in the way, spending piles of money on their advocacy ads sponsored under innocuous-sounding names like Dr. Patient Unity. These ads and associated lobbying efforts may have scared off some of the lawmakers who were originally on board with these new laws. But, as Dr. Goldstein states, the proposed laws will not really solve the underlying problems with overpriced medical services, so we will just have to wait and see. Now, before we go, there is some follow-up from last week's podcast on the same ads from Dr. Patient Unity Group that um, that I just mentioned. The New York Times has now identified who this group really is, and we will post to the website at www.houstonhealthcareinitiative.org, all of those details. And I think you will be a little surprised at, um, at who's actually behind that group. And we'll also have information and resources about the two pieces of legislation that were also mentioned today. As always, thank you for listening. Tell your friends about the podcast and please come back next time for another edition of the Houston Healthcare Initiative podcast.